I ruffled my wet hair as I crossed through the revolving door into my safe harbor from the pounding rain. The building's lobby is elegant, if a bit dated. Two Victorian-style mirrors sit on opposite walls of the empty waiting area. In the mirror's funhouse effect, countless copies of my reflection appear to stretch into eternity. I look away. The concierge desk is unoccupied. Sam, the nighttime security officer, hasn't arrived yet. Given the weather, he might not anytime soon. A former amateur boxer billed as Southpaw Sam. He makes the apartment tower's residents feel safe on our busy city block. I suppose it doesn't matter if he's a few minutes late. A massive nor'easter is moving in. Even the muggers are taking shelter tonight. I head towards the elevator area. A printed sheet of paper is taped to the door of elevator 4. Out of order. I hit the up button and wait for another elevator to arrive. To my surprise, elevator 4 slides open. Whoever fixed it must have forgotten to remove the out of order sign. Besides, I'm late and dinner will be ready soon. Inside the wood paneled cab, I push the button for the floor Kimberly and I live on, 14. I set my briefcase down and close my eyes, relieved to be at the end of my hellish commute. Kimberly's making veal tonight, and I can't wait to pour a glass of wine and chow down. I don't even care if the neighbor's kids are making a racket in the hallway again. The elevator jolts to a halt, sending my briefcase sliding across the cab. The red lights of the elevator's floor display panel flash erratically before fizzing out. Only a few seconds pass before the other lights snap off, plunging the cab into darkness. Great. I ignored the out-of-order sign and now I'm trapped in an elevator during what could be the worst storm of the year. My self-admonition didn't last long. As quickly as they turned off, the lights came back on. Unseen gears churn above as the elevator restarts its ascent. The floor displays flicker back to life. I watch it, anxious to reach my floor. 10, 11, 12, 13. That's curious. Like most high-rise buildings, this one skips the number 13 and its labeling of floors. The brief power surge overrode the elevator's programming somehow, mislabeling the 14th floor. The door slides open, revealing the elevator bank on the other side. I pick my briefcase up and exit. The bank is a plainly decorated area with three elevators on one side, two on the other. Across from where it connects to the main hallway is a frosted glass window. Tonight the bank seems darker than normal. I peer through the window. Usually one can make out the distorted lights of buildings across the avenue. I don't see anything now but the black of night, though I can hear the rain beat against the glass. I have the nagging feeling something's different about the area, though I can't figure out what. I chalk it up to fatigue-related paranoia. It's been a long day, and my commute is rough even in good weather. In the hallway, the neighbor's kids are tossing a tennis ball against the wall repeatedly, a 12-year-old boy and his 9-year-old sister. Their favorite activity is disturbing everyone else who lives on the floor. Remembering what it was like to be their age, I stifle my urge to tell them to quiet down. I greet them politely instead. Have a good night. Have a good night, the older sister says as I pass. Funny. I could have sworn she was the younger sibling. 
I retrieve my keys and open my door at the end of the hallway. A pungent aroma wafts into my nostrils from the kitchen. It's not what I expected dinner to smell like, but I trust Kimberly. She's a much more talented cook than I. Hey, babe, I call out. Kimberly exits the kitchen to meet me in the living room. She's beautiful as ever, but looks slightly different. Getting here must have been awful in this weather, she says, giving me an up-and-down glance. I must look like a wet dog. It was almost worse, I explain. I ignored the out-of-order sign on the elevator and nearly got trapped in it. Hey, have you changed something? Maybe your hair? You look different. Kimberly looks perplexed for a fleeting second before responding. No, you're just not used to seeing me in this apron. Cooking was getting a bit messy. I lean in for a kiss, careful not to touch her apron, which upon closer examination is covered in red smears. But as my face draws closer to hers, I identify the real issue. Kimberly's distinctive birthmark is on the wrong side of her face. An implausible thought. This isn't my wife. I kiss her, trying to act as if nothing's amiss. She tells me to go change out of my wet clothes while she puts the finishing touches on dinner. I hang my rain jacket in the coat closet and go to our bedroom, passing the kitchen on the way. Arranged ceremonially on a platter is the decapitated head of a calf. Rivulets of blood stream from its neck, running off the platter and down the side of the counter, pooling onto the floor. Kimberly stands near the counter, butcher knife in hand. She grins widely and points the knife at the calf's head proudly. Veal! Looks delicious, I stutter. I hurry into our bedroom and lock the door behind me. Through the wide bedroom window, I notice that while I can hear rain falling, I can't see anything at all. When I'd looked through the frosted glass in the elevator bank, I thought it was just dark. That perhaps the heavy rain was obscuring the lights across the street. I was wrong. Through the opaque window, I'm positive there's nothing on the other side. Where am I? I think back to when I first stepped out of the elevator and felt something was off. I know what it was now. The elevator bank on the 14th floor has three elevators on one side and two on the other. Tonight they switched sides. Just like the neighbor's kids seemed to swap ages. Just like Kimberly's, no, the woman's birthmark is on the wrong side of her face. The elevator display was never wrong. I'm not on my floor, but the 13th floor. A funhouse mirror image where everything is slightly wrong. A floor that doesn't exist. The squeak of hinges swinging rings out, snapping me out of my epiphany. I can tell by the change in air pressure that someone's opened the front door. I listen intently, gripping my briefcase so tight my knuckles go white. The door swings shut with a thud. Honey, a voice calls out. I'm home. The voice is impossibly familiar. I fling the bedroom door open and rush into the living area. A man stands in the entryway, rainwater dripping from his wet clothes. Not just any man. It's me. The man flashes the same wild grin I'd seen on the woman. It's an honor to finally have you as a guest, he says, voice dripping with anticipation. I appreciate that, but I have to leave, I reply. 
My husband's waited forever for you to arrive, says the woman. I am pure adrenaline now. For all I know, if I don't get out of here, it might be my head on that silver platter next. Move out of my way, I whisper. The man laughs, his crazed eyes glinting. You can't just leave, he says. It doesn't work like that. You're going to be here a long time. The hell I will, I snarl, lunging towards him. I swing my briefcase, striking the man in the face. He slumps to the floor. The woman claws at my face, but I use my free hand to defend myself before shoving her aside. I feel a moment of deep remorse before reminding myself she isn't my Kimberly. I dart out of the apartment. The neighbor's kids are still in the hallway, flinging that damn ball against the wall over and over. They smile perversely as I rush past the elevator bank. I hit the elevator button. One of them needs to get here, quick. A door slams somewhere in the hallway. Bring him back! The woman screams as footsteps pound the floor. I start jabbing at the button in a desperate attempt to get an elevator here quicker. A door slides open. Unlucky for me, it's the one elevator I never want to step foot in again. Elevator 4. The lights in the cab flicker erratically. Before I've made a decision, the man streaks into the elevator bank. Go ahead, he taunts, taking his time approaching. Get in. Worked well for you the first time. He's right. I'm not making that mistake again. The elevator beeps, signaling that its door will be closing soon. If anyone has to go into that cursed elevator, it's him. I strike as soon as he enters my reach. A well-timed shove, sending him falling backwards into the cab. The door begins to slide closed. The last thing I see before it seals shut is the man looking up from the floor, still wearing a hint of that unnatural grin. Having bought myself a minute to escape, and afraid the woman will come after me herself, I duck into the stairwell, the only other means to get away. Relief washes over me when I run downstairs, past the floors below. I hadn't been sure the 13th floor was physically connected to the rest of the building. I stumble out of the stairway into the lobby, huffing and puffing. The run downstairs was the most intense cardio I've done in years. Sam is sitting at the concierge desk. I've never been so happy to see him. Sam! I exclaim, out of breath. You've got to make sure no one takes Elevator 4. There's something terribly wrong with it. Hold on, hold on. Sam says in his thick New York accent. No one's ever taken Elevator 4. I know the thing's broke. That's why it says out of order. Yeah, but it showed up anyway. I got inside and it stopped, and all the lights went off, and I ended up on the 13th floor. Boss, you feeling all right? Sam asks, sounding genuinely worried. It's impossible for the elevator to be running. Here, let me show you. Sam walks over to a fuse box in the elevator bank and opens it with a key he keeps on his belt. There's a different switch for each elevator. The switch labeled Elevator 4 is flipped to the off position. You see? It's been like this since yesterday. I protest, insisting that the elevator was running. Sam doesn't buy it, but he shrugs and agrees to mention it to the repairman. Back at his desk, he scribbles down a note in a red pen. I thank Sam and he calls an elevator for me. Elevator 2 opens, and I reluctantly step inside, 
I'm shaken and questioning my own sanity. But above all, I'm grateful to be out of, well, wherever I was. The elevator lets me off on the 14th floor, and when I step into the elevator bank, I make sure I can see lights across the street through the frosted glass window. I pass the neighbor's kids in the corridor. Sure enough, the boy is the older sibling. When I walk into the apartment, dinner is already on the table. Veal, cooked the way I expected. Kimberly's waiting. I hug her tightly, making sure to check that her birthmark is properly placed. I'm so sorry I'm late, I say. The train broke down for about 20 minutes. Storm's really messing things up. You must be starving, she replies. Dinner's getting cold. Go change into some dry clothes and join me. In the bedroom, I look out the window, admiring the view of the city. I decide not to tell Kimberly the truth. I don't want her to look at me the way Sam did when I tried to explain it to him. My train of thought stops as I recall a small detail from my conversation with Sam. When he wrote that note for the repairman, Sam wrote it with his right hand. Southpaw Sam, the left-handed boxer. I need to know if I'm driving myself crazy or if I never left the 13th floor at all. I call Kimberly's cell phone. If I hear her answer in the dining room, I know it's really her and I'm at home. She hollers from the dining room as I'm dialing, asking me to hurry up. I hit send. I wait, but there's no audible ring in the apartment. Maybe it's on silent. I'm expecting to get her voicemail when she picks up. Hello? There is no corresponding sound from the dining room. The woman in the dining room isn't my wife. And this isn't my home. Kimberly, I whisper. It's Jacob. I need you to listen to me and believe what I'm saying. Because it's going to sound... Don't call here again, you scumbag. She sounds disgusted. What? Kimberly, it's me. Can you believe this guy? She says, barely audible. She's not speaking to the receiver, but to someone else in the room. My stomach drops. I'm on the 13th floor with the woman, but the man, he's not here anymore. It's one of those identity scammers calling. He's claiming to be you, 